Welcome to Vaguely Music. I am Kelsey Jacobson. And I'm Ryan Strumpfler. And we are happy to have you back. With this episode, we are actually going to be breaking down a little bit of some... How to build an Ikea furniture step-by-step with the instructions upside down. Exactly. Uh, So this is uh, a great topic of what to do, how to make your best educated decision with the information you're given on songs. Writing part, like not just playing your covers, parts. Yeah, covers. covers. How to cover songs. Right. And how to, especially stuff that's not the instrumentation you have. Right. So uh, for those of you that don't know, Ryan and I run Double Bar Music, which is a music education school and store essentially in Westport, Massachusetts. And um, one of the things we do here is we organize ensembles in which developing musicians can essentially learn how to play in a live band setting. Um, And one of the trickier things we've come across is that for contemporary music, i.e. music that has any kind of uh, synthesized instrumentation in it, right, it becomes much harder to take that and turn that into a live setting, which as a cover band, the the cover bands that are very successful have figured out how to do that well and and that's a tricky that's a very special thing you have to listen to music in a very different way so because we've come across this we thought it would be kind of an interesting thing to discuss in this scenario and sort of break down our thoughts and reasons why why it might need to be done yeah and there's a there's a whole lot that goes into it i mean there's there's some bands that their thing is to take songs and they just make them super metal Right, so like, there's a bunch of ways you can interpret this. You know, you can Google, you can YouTube search any Disney song, and there's a metal cover. Right, there's an acoustic version. So this is like, there's a whole bunch of different and ways you know to do that it. Oh yeah, because because I play in a Disney <laughs> tribute band called the Tomorrowland Transit Authority, which you can find on all major social media platforms. Not to plug my, you can't see it, but I'm dabbing viciously. Uh, uh. Uh, yeah, so I guess the um. I think my biggest thing that I've always, when we approach this or when we run into this problem, because a lot of times what we see happen in our ensemble situation, or I've also seen it in some of my own bands when we're like, oh, that's a great cover, um, especially now, currently the 90s throwback thing is is really popular. So when you're trying to do some of that like old 90s hip hop and whatnot, oh, yeah. that and, and you try to do your straight cover of it, it sounds so cool in theory, and then you do it and you're like, hmm. Yes. No one wanted to hear that. Cool. So the conversation comes up of like, why? We all played our parts. We all did everything that that was done in the song in this particular way. Why is this not translating? And I think a song, unfortunately, in contemporary music is not the sum of all parts. It's the sum of the right combination of parts. Okay. I was wondering where you were going with that. I, I don't disagree because today's music, pop music, um, is is keen on layering. Yeah. These like these pop songs, the, the ones that really shine, you know, everybody knows the ones that like really shine, like something like Uptown Funk, which has some life. Shut right? up and 
dance that with has me. tons of layers. Da, 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 da. But if you go back and you listen to Uptown Funk and you count the number of parts that change, it's the same two chords. Yeah. But like when it comes in with the gang vocals, when it comes in and there's no there's no uh, harmony underneath, it's just like shout vocals and then the guitar comes in and the bass and the horn line. Yeah. If you go through same two chords, but modern pop music is a mastering is like a master class of layering. Yeah. Yep, dynamics, the but, whole nine yards. But you're going to hear Uptown Funk, and a lot of times, you're not going to be playing Uptown Funk with a horn section. Like, so what do you do? Yep, yep, precisely. So um, I think, you know, the first thing I go to is what what is it about the song that is sort of the moving, attention-grabbing, uh, dance-producing um, so if you're in a situation where you're the hired band and you're, you know, hopefully your goal is to get people having fun, moving, dancing, just generally, even if it's just a, Hey, I'm bobbing in my seat because, Oh yeah, it's this song. For the record, um, we were both bobbing well, in yeah. our seats right there. You got to recreate it. You know, <laughs> um, it's like, what is it that, that creates that sensation? Is it a particular part or is it a combination of two parts? And, and is it a real instrument that's doing it in the recording or is it some kind of electronic piece that is doing that in which case it then lands on the group that is covering it to figure out how best to translate that feeling that is elicited into a live instrumentation format through one instrument or the combination of two instruments working together and teaming up on that task. Right. Yeah. So this is when I'm when I'm approaching it. Um, the first thing I do is I listen to the song like three times. For me, I map out the density of parts. So I'll listen to a tune and before I try to grab anything. I'm like listening to okay, how is the chorus big? Is the like how big is the chorus? Like what's the feel on the chorus? What's the form of the song? All of that because then I know whatever my best guess is with the information I take in, I know I'm in a foundation of like, okay, no matter what part I'm about to take here, this chorus is supposed to sound big and dancey. Cool. No matter what I do is going to be filtered through that. All right, this bridge is supposed to build. It's layered. Okay, no matter what I do, even if I reject that, I'm like, I'm doing my own thing, but it's it's in response to knowing the foundation of what the song is. So I try to map out like what the form is and what the density of the parts and the overall groove, and then I'll go in and try to dive into these parts. Because if you if you can kind of get the mindset uh, of what the song is, then you're going to be okay. I had a college teacher tell me the first thing people listen to in a song is form. The first thing people like that's the first thing. Don't remember the you think it would be the melody. Some people are like, you know, guitar players are like, it's the harmony. It's, it's never the <laughs> harmony. All right, bro. Calm down, piano players, guitar players. It's not, it's not even the rhythm. It's the form. The first thing people remember when they're listening to is, hey, I'm mapping this thing out in my own head. Well, that's how we give context, right? right. That's how yes, we package, that's how you know. That's how you package information. Because you know what came before, so you know what comes next, and you're comparing and contrasting. So yep. the first thing fundamentally to me is like, all right, how dense, how much, what is it? And yeah. then I'll and then and then you talk about things like you danced around calling it, but the hook. Yeah. Right? You gotta have Well, no. No. You don't I call would it? say no no no, because I don't have I don't need the hook is the part that 
everybody might jump in on, right? But I'm talking about the thing that is the song, the the what is the heartbeat of the song, right? Okay. Okay. So I'm I'd say I'm dabbling closer to the groove, but not not, not the, fully, okay. not fully that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what is it that makes the heartbeat of that song that song? Because as you said, pop songs can be the same three chords right. from song to song to song. So what is it that makes that song sound like that song and make it instantly recognizable to your audience, right? Because that's the piece you have to mentally go, well, we can't really get rid of that. Otherwise, I'm literally just going to be playing three chords. Right, because a, a lot of music in general is is the same you could say 2 3 4 8 chords. It's this, it's going to be the same cycle, so Right. Yeah, so that's, having, that's having the what stamp. I mean. Okay. That's what I mean by that, like that recognition of like what is the flavor, right? What is that song piece? And and so it's as you're going through and you're listening and you're marking out form, like you're saying, like I think I would simultaneously be saying, okay, what is it that makes this song different from the next song, the next song, the next song, the next song, right? Um, and maybe if you listen to it and nothing makes it different, you know, that's a conversation you can have with yourself. But but most of the time, even in the simplest songs, there is something that is the signature of that song that people respond to. And you ha- that's the thing you have to capture, in my opinion. So as you're putting together the form in the back of your head, you're like, huh, how do I capture this flavor? And where does it where does it stick out in the process of this song? Like, where does this signature element, is it through the whole song? Right. Right. Or is it? Does it lead into the song or does it, you know, that piece? I do. So the first thing that always comes to mind right now, and it's not a modern, I have two examples. The first thing and then the second thing. The first one is not modern. The second one's very, but it feels like the same thing. It's Brown Eyed Girl. You cannot play Brown Eyed Girl if you do not play that part. It just, you need that da-da-da-da-da. That is like, otherwise people like, you start with the chords and it's like, oh, okay. As soon as you play that, people go, Brown eyed girl. Yeah. And the exactly. same thing to me exactly. is the part in Shut Up and Dance. Yes. That guitar part. Yeah. That's when people go, oh, it's this one. Yes. So that's what I'm talking yeah. about. So it's not necessarily the hook. It's the thing that makes this song unique and recognizable um, and instantly accessible or relatively quickly accessibly. Yeah. Accessible. So, and those can be on a handful of things. They can be on, on any instrumentation. Um, and it can be chopped up. You talk about 90s hip-hop. I can't tell you the number of people I've done um, No Diggity with. Ah, yes. Um, love it. But that little line right there, people love having that. Yeah. Which is the piece, I will say, that most people just leave out is the and that's one of the signature cool. things okay so then let's let's break down we have like the foundation elements of like so the foundation before we go ahead is like what makes this song the song right right like what is what is unique and where does this go so then the next thing i like go into is the groove or the feel yeah because everything like you can play the right chords but like if you're not if you're not swinging and if you're not playing straight like Take, for example, No Diggity, right? That's got a lilt. It's not swing, and it's not straight, but that's got a lilt to it. The... Well, and then, ironically, I'd say the drums are actually super straight. Right. 
But that little super straight. That that chopped up guitar. There's like an acoustic guitar playing, yeah. playing just one chord, and then the mm-hmm, they have a little mm-hmm. thing that a lot of people cop mm-hmm. that because you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that line, dun, 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 that little yep. sample, that thing is like it's not like yeah, it's just it, it's just eighth notes. You can't see I'm putting quotes up, but it's not swung, and it's not straight. It's got a lilt to it. It's yep. got this kind of like. Pulled back, like, it's hard to describe. Questlove talked about drumming that style of playing. I know the drums are straight, uh, but, like, that yeah. style of playing as, like, playing a little drunk. Yep. Which is, like, it totally makes sense to me. It's pulled back. It's, like, not consistent, but it it, it grooves. A lo- it's, 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 it's lilted. It's very loose yeah. within that. And But it's not, it's weird. It's loose. But it's precise. Like it's it's not loose, as in like it's not Led Zeppelin loose. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not Led Zeppelin where they just steal other people's songs. It's a let's, little different. Let's just add a couple beats yeah, here because we couldn't figure out how to end that line. <laughs> the but it's like it's it's loose, but it's exactly where it's supposed to be loose. Right. It's firm in that it's pulled back, and there's a substantial difference. This is where I think a lot of um, people coming in the rock world don't. Get and I am by no means. Let me put a disclaimer. I'm by no means an aficionado on any hip hop feel, um, but I I am I am, do come from a playing of like rock and metal, and trying to get into that like you end up like you're like oh I'm being loose I'm being loose but it's like yeah but you're not being precise with where it's supposed to be like you're not you're not keeping that feel consistent yeah like it's not about it's not about the looseness. It's about consistently being the same amount of, of whatever it, it yes. is. Whatever the feel is, it has to be it consistent has to stay there. from place to place. Right. That's why a lot of people can play a hip-hop groove for 15 seconds. Not a lot of people can play a hip-hop groove for four and a half minutes. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think recognizing... So, so far you've got... Right? You have overall form mm-hmm. and then the song's signature... Uh, signature piece. Yep. Right? And then from there your overall groove and feel mm-hmm. that helps uh, i mean a lot of times just going through that process can help inform that and then mentally working through that groove and applying it to everything solidifies the whole structure in some ways and you'll definitely i feel like when i found whenever i have a song that i'm like digging into like that and you find the right groove i feel like all of a sudden the song will feel easier to play too agreed Right? It just oh, kind of great. is like, oh, right, this feels comfortable now to play. Yeah, and, and I, I tell this to my students all the time. A lot of times you'll think that, like, you'll play something and you'll feel like, ah, it's okay. Music will let you know. Like, music has a weird way of, like, screaming at you when things line up. Yep. Like, screaming, like, hitting you over the head, like, this is it. And you go, oh, yeah, it is. Everything else felt okay, but this is yeah. it. This yep. is it. Whether that comes to feel chords anything melody like it'll music will let you know um so once you have your groove at that point mm-hmm. right so now now is i feel where you start getting into um this, this is, is where yeah. it falls apart right because this is personal setting. this is this is where the personal like where your your history and your decision making and your ability to process information and compare it with other things and contrast is and then making the decision based around your own instrument and the instrumentation of your band is what matters. Right. Because everything else is kind of finite. It ends, right? right? The song ends, but but your study uh, of this stuff never ends. So after that that 
that groove um, mm, checkbox, mm-hmm. I guess, for yeah. lack of a better word. Yep. Um, after that, you're at the point where now you are layering your parts, mm-hmm. right? So now is the now is the time where you're, like you said, looking at your instrumentation. You're looking at what you go back and say, okay, well, what was that signature part of the song? And where do I stick it in? Like, sure, maybe it kicks in every chorus. But if you have one guitarist in your band and you're playing that line on guitar, sometimes what will happen is when you start switch over and start playing this little melody line, the whole volume dynamic drops cut in half and all of a sudden your chorus now sounds like it's dropped down to nothing and you're like whoa but that's where the line kicks in you're like oh i wonder why the chorus isn't big and cool and exciting and fun it's like well your volume cut in half and inherently that's going to decrease the intensity and climactic build of your chorus so if you're going for that and you're trying to go for oh, this song is supposed to build, but I'm also trying to play my little dinky like do 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 And it's like, well, you're not going to... Okay. That's the best of both worlds. So, so I can... The reason I feel like I can talk about this is because of how you badly... You guitar? Uh, yeah, and how badly <laughs> I've done this before. So <laughs> yes. I played a gig, right? I was playing a gig once and Antonio and I was... my, my One of my good friends, Antonio, playing bass when we were in Radio Honey together and we were playing Don't Stop Believing. We don't have a piano player. So I play the intro on guitar, no problem. And then he jumps in and he plays the chords on bass and I play the because everybody loves that line. Yep. Well, he had to use the bathroom and he didn't really tell me. And I like I like look over and I'm starting the song and he's gone. And I'm like, oh man, oh man. <laughs> and I had to make an educated guess because we had some people crowding around. It wasn't a lot of people, but a handful of people were like, invested in what we were playing and i had to make an educated guess on what the best decision would make like do i play that because that is a staple in the song that people would be love the that. signature yep. but people also love the dang chords <laughs> <laughs> like and and like so i made a decision to play the line and that was the wrong this is like music hits you over the head when you're wrong too because it was just isolated you just had like uh, our drummer was just counting on the hi-hat right and tony's like it's like coming back like running back and i'm just like just like no accompaniment just dry yeah it just sounded like somebody was like yo did somebody forget to play the jam track like what's 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 going on like yeah and it was just that right and i'll tell you i couldn't play that thing fast enough no matter how fast i played like it's still the next part didn't come fast the longest 10 seconds i'll say this side note when you do something and you're like that you got two rules right Make that John Mayer rock face like you don't know and commit like hell. <laughs> because I would look so bad if I started the line and then I jump back to the chords. Because people would be like, not only is he bad, but he's insecure about what he's playing. <laughs> it's like, yo, I know I'm bad. Like, I know I just made a bad choice. Like, I- I'm staying in it like a fart in an elevator. Like, I'm not moving. So I, yes. that's why I feel like talking about this. Um, it's like, yeah, I've been on the other side of the bad decision. So I have no problem talking about the arrangement and everything. So I can I can talk about it primarily from a vocalist side of like you I've I've been in the situation where my my band hasn't always made the best decision, right? But I as a vocalist, a lot of times our job is to help build, help lead in and guide where the climactic moments can be vocally, right? So if we're going through our pre-chorus into our chorus, we're going to do something vocally 
that helps build to a chorus. So there have been, <laughs> there have been a few times which uh, – I've gone and I, I've, if it's late at night, I'm, I can be the queen of like the very quick and passing dirty look out the side of my eye. And, uh, and so there, yeah, there've been times where it's been like, ah, ah, oh, that was it. That was the moment. That was the best build ever. Yeah. They're totally in it. And then it's like, and then we have one of these choruses we just discussed where it's like, I think I just flatlined. Like, I'm pretty sure we just <laughs> flatlined. And then I saw 20 people leave. That's what it feels like emotionally i mean not that they were actually leaving but emotionally that's what it feels like in the moment because you build up to you expect something because that's the recognizable piece of the song and then and then it doesn't go there and then you're just like and i'm really big and over the top for no reason right now (laughs) (laughs) and here i am it's like here's the band at four and here i am at nine and this is an awkward and uncomfortable relationship okay this this is this is great because this is talking about all the things that it's struggled because sometimes you're gonna in an arrangement especially in an individual one you're gonna put a lot of energy and try to drive something and you're not gonna get a lot back and you're gonna you're gonna think well let me push like not necessarily tempo or anything but let me push energy wise and try to make this happen try to make something out of nothing and then nothing happens and you go well forget this maybe I should just sit back and just let it happen naturally and then nothing happens and you're just like I can't win I And you're just like, yes. okay, you know what I'll do? I'll just roll around on the ground until you <laughs> until you get it right. Like, okay. So this is why this is so important. It's, it's um, imperative because then there's the flip side. When you come up with an arrangement that's like you can be kind of malleable with at times, yeah. there is a spontaneity that when you get it right, it is fun. Like you feel like you're you're exercising muscles you don't get to exercise. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's there's also an energy. The audience looks at you and goes, you don't know what's going to happen but you're all making great educated guesses and making awesome decisions and playing off each other and trusting. Yes. I'm into this. Like, I don't know where this is going either. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. So let me, let me, yeah, the next so we, thing. Yeah. Cause we're at the, that sort of like the, layering they, in parts. Okay, so right? for, yeah. For me, the next thing I do, right. Is that's when I get the harmony and harmony to me, isn't just the chords it's how dense, like how many notes are there? How big is the range? All of that, like how many parts? From instrument to instrument. Uh, instrument to instrument. Right. So, so be, let's be clear about that because I feel like a lot of people, when they when they approach listening to a song, they go, oh, I, I just went and learned my part. So I, I play, I'm a singer. So mm-hmm. I just went and I learned my vocal line and I know the notes I'm supposed to sing for my vocal line and and everybody else will figure their part out so i don't i don't have to listen to that part at right. all now that doesn't mean as a, as a, if you're a vocalist and you don't play an instrument um that doesn't mean you have to go sit down and suddenly go oh that's a diminished with a blah 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 in the bass and then a blah 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 on the top right okay you don't... These, those aren't for the record those aren't chords no like, those are actual chords and you should go Google, look them up sir. thank you um <laughs> but you don't have to know that. What you do have to be able to do is hear it. You have to be able to go, okay, so I'm singing, ah, and somewhere underneath me I'm hearing, ah, ah. Okay, I've got these two weird notes right next to each other. Okay, all right. How do those work in relationship to what I'm singing? How does that work in relationship to what the bass is playing, right? And when you hear all of that, that makes you an incredibly informed singer at that point 
um, and also gives you a really good sense when the band starts coming in with their parts that they have learned about what's missing, if something is missing. Agreed. You might not be able to say, oh, you're not playing that D flat in the blah, blah, blah. But you are able to say, hey, there's normally something here that fills this out and creates a little bit of like, yep. you know, struggle or dissonance. And and we're missing that. And I really feel like this makes this part of the song. You're able to communicate that so that they at least can go, oh, I didn't know you wanted that. I kind of dropped that. Or, oh, I didn't hear that. Let me go back and take a listen. Okay, so there's there's a couple things there that are, are highly, highly, highly important. I want to touch on the first one right there is that you're not going and saying what your band member is playing is wrong. Yeah. That's, that is not productive in, in any way. Saying, hey, I don't think this is right. I think it should be a little crunchier on this section. This chord or this, this pre-chorus really needs that, that crunch. Like, I'm listening in. And if you can sing the note, great. But even just using, like, listening at a high level and being able to describe it, it's huge. Yeah. Like, that is, you, you can't expect to order a meal and then just, like, be like, this is wrong. Be like, you can't, like, that's not how the things work in life. You have to be able to. That was kind of a weird, that was well, kind like, of a weird yeah. analogy. Well, okay, so the reason <laughs> you you order it, but then you can describe it because you say, this is wrong. I was supposed to get chicken and spinach instead <laughs> okay, of, okay. so I just, yeah. So, so, but you're able to, to describe it. Like, yes. And then let's, let me flip the perspective, right? Um, instrumentalists, uh, specifically guitar players, piano players. Uh, this isn't as imperative to bass players because you don't play multiple. You usually don't play multiple notes at once. You're not always playing chords. Um, like like the the bass is primary. I see the I see the eyebrows, but like <laughs> you was, know it's that true. That was my stink eye. Yeah, that was that was that was the like. Okay, great. Let yeah. let's go through and let's go through. Let's see a bass play chords exclusively for three hours. <laughs> Bill Ferry, uh, where are you? <laughs> so, I had a a really great teacher at UMass. When I was, I was studying jazz, and I'm the world's most average jazz guitar player. Um, <laughs> nice. But uh, I had, I got a really great lesson from him when he said, "Ryan, like, make sure you're not playing over the melody." And I was like, "No, no, no!" Like uh, in my head, I was kind of just like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, it. I'm gonna try to listen." And then I was like driving home, and I'm like, "No, like I wasn't playing over the melody. Like I was giving the melody space, and I was doing all that." And he was like. Oh, like literally, I put I've put like three notes above the melody. Like I've put three notes above the melody, and, and I you're didn't talking know about my pit, core. Your yeah, pitch my range. My my range. Yes, yeah, the, the range of my instrument. So, like, let's say the melody was singing a B or something. I'd have like, and we're in a B minor chord. Like, I'd have like two or three notes. I have a D and an F sharp, and like an A, and like I'd put some, and I'd be like, but I'm not stepping on the melody rhythmically, and I'm like, 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 you know, dynamically, I'm definitely underneath this thing. But it's like, yeah, but pitch-wise, you're you're over. And sometimes that works, but that's got to be specifically, I know what I'm doing. This is, you can't just like be negligent, like negligent to uh, and ignorant to how big your range is. Yeah. So as an instrumentalist, knowing the melody, right? Like you talk about vocalists knowing at least well, like the rest of the arrangement of the song enough to communicate. Yeah. As an instrumentalist, know the melody. As much, and if you can't grab all of it because it like it varies itself, grab as much as humanly possible because then you're gonna know what you're playing over, and you're gonna know like, you know, 
I don't want to always put that that note in there because that like messes with their range and that kind of messes with it. Like I'm gonna play underneath it, and you'll be surprised how much your singers are are happy for you because they go, oh, not only do I just have to sing the melody, but like look at how far I can go. Yeah. Like look at how much space I can work with. I can go up. I can go down. Like so. There's a lot. There's a lot to be able to do. Um. And I, so, and I think that can also inform, so when you are layering parts, right, you're taking in the parts that move, not just the song, so we talked like that signature thing that is the recognizable piece of the song, but also what are the parts that are recognizable to each section of the song? And if you have enough instrumentation, if you have enough, um, if you have the variety to be able to recreate that accurately, that's wonderful. If you have a limited group, which is like, say you have four or five members, so you don't have doubles of things to be able to play, um, to just keep layering on top of something that's already in place, um, now is where you have to do my favorite thing, which is you can't always just jump to what the signature piece of the chorus might be that is recognizable, but you might have to use some of that somehow. So now is where hopefully all the time you spend working on your musicianship, your technical ability comes into play because you go, okay, what is that line? Or what is that, what is that moment, right? That people recognize in this part of the song that they want to hear that they, they, that makes them jump up or makes them sing. Right. Um, I can't stop playing entirely what I was playing before, but can I create something that is a hybrid of these two pieces that hints at the line that people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And because it's recognizable enough, because we're talking about pop tunes, right? It's recognizable enough that they're going to be able to pick it out, even if you don't play it in its completion, but doesn't force you to drop maybe what is the driving energetic force behind that section of the song or the song generally um, making making the the whole motion of the song die if you do just drop it right so it's it's this that takes skill and sort of i think what we're what we're getting at is if you go through all of these steps and then you approach these these moments of like oh wow i have to make some hard decisions right now because you know we don't have 42 trumpets and a and you know 17 trombones agreed and uh a number of other things Mm -hmm. to to be the JT or Bruno Mars horn lines. How do we recreate this in a way that will move people? So yeah. So then, let, like, let's. And sometimes the answer is the inverse of what you've been pushing for. Sometimes the answer is the inverse of what you've been pushing for. Repetition legism, legitimizes. So like, meaning, if you're just like, wow, that horn line is like so dense and everything, flip it. Make that moment you and the bass being unison, and make that really powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you see like space is really powerful? And if you're working in a limited area, like arranging wise, you can use that to stretch at a huge level, and then condense at a level that a lot of these other places like um, arrangements can't do. Because one of the things that's tough with like nine musicians is getting seven musicians to not play and just watch two people play. Yeah. That's like not going to, because people will be like, I'm just going to do my little thing. You can do that in a four piece pretty easily. So like use that to your advantage, flip what makes something great. Like, oh man, that, those horns, like that dense, dense, dense line. Yeah. Flip it. Make it just like, 
unison. And then I would say for, for like instrumentalists, I can't say this enough. You gotta know more than like one way to play chords. You've got to know a bunch of different ways to play chords. It's going to change the game for what you can do underneath. Like if you're only playing G as a bar chord or something, change that, like go home, pause this podcast and change that right now. Like learn to play in a bunch of different inversions, like learn to play with like three notes, learn to like skip strings, look at what John Frusciante does where he plays like two notes, get like a bunch of different ways to play a bunch of different chords. I could rattle off all the guitar instructors here can play chords like in so many different ways and it helps huge you will be able to do one and like piano player bass players sorry bass players as well um like if you know how to play a bunch of different chords you're gonna give people so many different options and then when you're trying to voice lead when you're trying to make like oh this bruno mars say like these horns are dense like this michael jackson synth is so dense well guess what i've got a bunch of different ways to play it like well and and so i would also say um looking at something like that the last thing that i would look for is in those moments whether it's the big moment or the quiet moment what is it that about the the moment that makes it that moment so is it obviously you have the the harmonic if you have a horn line arrangement right you have the harmony that that horn line creates right most of the time many times that horn line is built off a harmony that's already happening quarterly underneath it um but so it's not that harmony per se that makes the horn line but it might be the rhythmic hits that make the horn line so if you don't have any horns in your band and you're like wow this is the moment right um why what is it that you have to do well, maybe you need to access that rhythm because maybe that is what people are looking for, right? So you have to look beyond sometimes the obvious, which is, oh, well, it's horns and it's big and it's loud and it's blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, well, but what is it about that part that is it, you know, is it a lot of times for like a Coldplay tune, it's not the chord, it's the arpeggiated movement yes, yeah. and flow of the chords that make it sound like what it sounds like. Right. So, um, you have to sort of look beyond what's what's obvious and look at the overall feel of of what you're doing and that will allow you to be able to create what you're trying to create in a sense where you can't just copy and paste something literally right so let me let me wrap this up with something real quick the more and more you do this the more and more vocabulary you'll have the more and more educated guesses and making decisions on the fly will be easier the more and more you do this, the more and more vocab you have. And you can reference it directly to other people. You can say like, oh, you mean like in Do I Do, the little guitar line, da, 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 right? You can be like, they can listen to it and be like, yeah, I want something like that. Can you approximate that? And you're going, yes, yep. I can. Like you could go deep in like, oh, you mean like these over chords like they do in PYT? And be like, yes, like that. Like the more and more you can be specific and you can approximate at a high level and you can make game time decisions the easier it'll be to communicate and make those decisions as time goes on. Awesome. All right. So we're going to wind down with our favorite time, which is Strumpfler surprise time. Okay. So what's one movie you haven't thought about in years that was your childhood banger? Ooh, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. All right. I've never heard that. That's like, I remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
It's like the oil people come in and try and take down the rainforest. It's actually very formative to my nature now <laughs> that I'm thinking of it. Oh. Yeah, I feel that. The Great Mouse Detective. That oh, was my jam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was yeah, formative yeah. to my, yeah. yeah. Now I am a great mouse detective. So that lines up. <laughs> we thank awesome. you so much for joining us. We. Uh, I'm Ryan Schrumpfler, and this is how to build IKEA furniture. I'm Kelsey Jacobson, and I hope you'll join us next week.